Well, we've talked a good bit about ACC conference realignment stuff here on the show, but never before in recent history with Miss Candace Cooper, the host of Locked On ACC. She got all the info that we need to know. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and as I just said, we are joined today by none other than Candace Cooper coming at you. I'm pointing the wrong way. And listen, my sister was kind enough to join us from vacation. You know she is dedicated to her craft. Very seriously, Candace, thank you for being with us. By the way, folks, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech cat with any purchase. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you that. Coming up on the show, we are going to talk about the ACC, how it somehow is still unchanged through all of this conference realignment. We're also going to talk with Candace some about the recent Under Armour Elite 24 that took place down in Atlanta because she was there and she's got everything you need to know about that as well. But Candace, I, I do want to start with the like right now of the whole ACC side of things. I want to get to the future of it in a little bit, but I'd really love to get your insights and your thoughts because clearly you've been talking about this a ton on Locked on ACC. And so my my first question to you is this. With the window for 2024-25 having now come and gone with essentially nothing happening in the ACC, Candace, what do we make of this inactivity? I think we make nothing of it, to be honest with you. I feel like... FSU sort of put the put the word out there, blew <laughs> right. a lot of smoke, you know, thought everyone was nervous, shaked the table, going to be upset. And at the end of the day, they didn't make any moves as we all expected. I think there's something to be said about, you know, lawyers going knee deep into contracts and trying to find loopholes and trying to find ways out and still not coming up with anything and still being a part of that grant and rights deal and the TV deal and just how ironclad it is. And more importantly than that, just how hard it is to be a state school to find funding to get away from a conference in a, in a landscape with which we know we understand football is king, but in the, the day, these are very much a lot of them public universities and to find the money to take away from, you know, a lot of what, you know, a lot of these states are doing is just damn near impossible right now in the current climate financially and amongst uh, many things. So it was cute, but like, let's just move on at this point. <laughs> I mean, legitimately though, that, that's what I've been trying to figure out is, do you think that FSU's like Ultimately, is their bark just bigger than their bite? Or did they think, do you think that maybe they thought they were really going to be able to do something? And at the end of the day, that grant of rights price tag was just too high. I think that they really thought they could do something. I still think they want to do something. I think they have never been more serious about it. But at the end of the day, what I find frustrating is that nobody put a gun to your head to sign that 10-year deal. Like Nobody made you, and John Swaffer didn't say, like, you sign this or else you're out of here. Like, you ha- you signed it free willy-nilly, and that's just the unfortunate <laughs> part of where the landscape of ESPN and TV deals are coming to. And there's a lot to be said from ESPN and potentially Apple. And I think if you bar- 
bark too much now, you could find yourselves in a very awkward position. And not only can you bark, but you also have to find a home, right? Because there's plenty of reasons why you want to leave, but who wants you? Does the Big Ten want you? Does the SEC want you? Are you going to become independent, which is fair? Like that that's very much a possibility. We've seen Notre Dame do it quite well. Um, so I think <laughs> FSU was cute. They tried. I don't think it's, you know, something that they see a foregone future not happening, but it's definitely not something in the, like the right now. And I think if you just be reasonable with yourselves and you talk about the Texases and the Oklahomas, the UCLAs and the USCs, like they were nearing the end of their deals before they made these declarations. So to blow hot smoke right now in the middle of it just seems, you know, kind of crazy. I feel that. And Candice, you talked about like how ironclad seemingly that grant of rights is. And I think a lot of people have looked at that as really a negative because it's like, oh man, this locks us in to being so many millions behind the SEC and Big Ten schools. But from like a collective standpoint of the ACC staying together, is there a sense in which that's actually been a win for the ACC or am I just missing that? You know, I think there's something to be said about stability in this climate. I also don't understand the whole negative connotation around the ACC. It's not like we haven't had champions. It's not like we haven't had national champions. It's not like we haven't had, you know, really dominant schools in football, basketball, women's basketball, the like. So it's a bit confusing and really perplexing. You know, I think FSU might be still bitter from 2020 when they probably could have won the national championship for basketball. And they've been holding on to, you know, some sort of semblance of being good and still holding on to those Jimbo and Jameis Winston years. And that's fine. Like more power to you but uh i don't understand the disgruntled energy but at the end of the day you know it's million millionaires fighting over millions and it's something that it'll never be enough right the facilities will never get built fast enough the all the things will never be good enough unless you have the creme de la creme and so Mm. it's just one of those things where if you trickle if you really step back trickle it down like where does the money really go and it's not really the people who could benefit most from it and that's what we're ultimately trying to get to Candace, I want I want to just ask you because you and I even off air haven't had a conversation about this yet. I'm really curious your thoughts on the whole Stanford and Cal situation. <laughs> you know, I think it's silly. I think someone has, who has been a student athlete, someone who has worked in operations and logistics, someone who has tried, who makes travel plans for you know in their current role. I think it's absolutely asinine to try and figure out a schedule for an East Coast and West Coast school you know, timeline, schedule, and all the things in terms of just flights. You know, you're not talking about football, which, you know, has its own criteria and charter flights and all the special things. You're talking about a swimmer who has to go to Stanford, who has to spend a week out there and then try and pass all of her classes and then fly back to North Carolina and be a well-thought-out, well-to-do student-athlete while trying to maintain a little bit of rest that she barely gets. So I think it's, an, it's I think it's just like, at what point do we say enough is enough, right? Like all this, you know, dividing, conquering, trying to steal and are you thinking about the people keeping the main thing the main thing and that's student athlete wellness and I don't think that that's being considered whatsoever I think it's just an arms race (laughs) to try and get the most so it's unfortunate and you you know you kind of veiledly just talked about it but you're literally like that's an autobiography right there that you're just saying right now Uh, I know this is a, a basketball podcast but for those who are unaware Um, Candace was a swimmer at the University of North Carolina. And so, Candace, I think maybe that that's one of the things that as we have the arms. I mean, it feels like a massive game of risk or something like that. Yeah. And so, Candace, if there I'm, I'm curious if there's anything else for you to expound on there with like, Hey, how would a move like adding a Cal in Stanford? I mean, you look at basically the the Big Ten landscape now. Um, How would a move like adding Cal in Stanford affect sports down beyond 
men's basketball, women's basketball, football, as you look at like the Olympic sports, like swimming and diving and things sure. like that, what, what, how else are you affected by that? Well, I mean, if you look at just what men's and women's basketball schedules are, like that's a prime example of weekdays. Like you're having to go to travel to California on a Tuesday night to play on a Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, which is 6 p.m., you know, uh, Pacific time and then you also got to fly home to then get to class by Thursday so like that's insane to me you also have swimmers and Olympic sports who may not exist the way this whole landscape of you know college athletics is going because to financially afford to have some of these programs and to fund some of these programs you're going to need to have you know your basketballs your footballs really thriving and if you have to cut costs and trim costs because of the financial commitments to cross coast to coast travel <laughs> is going to be very difficult to keep teams like fencing, rowing, and the like, who already have to raise money just to, you know, stay afloat. So as much as ACC prides itself on 28 um, programmed type of uh, league, it really should consider what will be affected by these ma massive changes for your revenue sports. Okay, great insight there from Candace on all of that. Thank you so much. That's, folks, the lay of the land of where we're looking at stuff right now. But I also want to get Candace's thoughts on, all right, Here's where we're at, but but let's do a little speculation. Let's prognosticate ahead to the future. And, and what is this ACC going to be? It's already been a conference that's been a little bit down in basketball lately, at least in terms of, as Candace was saying, the national viewpoint or in Ken Palm rankings. I want to know where we're headed from here. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Folks, summer may be winding down, but, well, not where I am because it's triple-digit degrees. It's insane. But there's still plenty of time for you to rock your bird dog stretch khaki shorts, which are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs has fixed the issue of stiff-restricting cotton by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long very seriously i love my bird dog stuff i've gotten I've, i'm rocking my uh, bird dogs coffee tumbler today for those of you watching you can see me holding that so if you want to check these things out go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college to get a free white tech hat with your order Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college for a free white tech cat. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you that. All right, Candace, let's turn our attention from the, the current. The, the ACC is still intact in, in our basketball terms. All 15 schools are still part of this conference. But I want to ask you to look ahead and tell me what on where you think this thing might ultimately go moving forward in the ACC what do you see happening you know I can see a conversation with an SMU I think that's definitely feasible with the Dallas market and what it brings from a TV deal standpoint and like a financial standpoint I think conversations with UConn and you know when you talk about that just area it could be something worth of interest West Virginia is sort of just like a gimme it's just like alley-oop <laughs> with what they do with basketball in a sense I know they're going through you know a couple things right now in terms of coaching but still pretty pretty you know good basketball program it seems like they would be a pretty natural um, rival 
rival for Pitt up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. The backyard brawl and all the things in Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. That you know that sort of fits nicely. So I have like I see entertaining conversations. But in the day, you know, I would take a page out of Chip Kelly's book and start entertaining the idea of having football be separate from you know NCAA, not tied to the institutions, and sort of have its own life and live separately. Like as much as we love, like you're taking away from you're starting to take away from traditions. You know the football traditions, the Saturdays of Penn State playing, you know, your arch rival in the Big Ten or have playing at like UCLA or USC is sort of strange, right? You see, you know, with basketball, are you going to keep that Duke-UNC conversation going if you don't have the UNC in the ACC rather in the Big Ten? You know, those are certain things that you start to think about, you know, in the landscape. So I'm hoping that, you know, we sort of figure out how to keep some of this historic uh, rivalries. Not only that, but more so from a financial standpoint, there's a lot of against – uh, state-led schools that are very much tied mm. together. <laughs> You'll see yep. UNC and NC State try, you know, tied at the hip. Duke is a private university. You'll see teams like Wake Forest potentially suffer. You'll see programs like Miami trying to find their home. You know, they have to start winning to be relevant again. You know, just a lot, a lot of different factors and a lot can change. But I, I, I honestly feel like the Granite Rights isn't going to make any of that change anytime soon. I think Jimmy Phillips, Jimmy P, like we like to call him on Lockdown ACC, <laughs> has got to start making some put up or shut up deals. Or, you know, this teams like FSU, you got to say, all right, go ahead. We're going to call your bluff. If you want to leave, leave. We're not going to sit here and beg you to stay. And thank you for your home rights deals that you'll still have to give us. You know, like, so it's just, I don't see much changing in the next five to seven. I will say that. Five to seven. I mean, so to that point, do you think that teams will ultimately find a way out of the grant of rights? I know, as you were saying no. earlier, all these lawyers. No, no. Okay, so then nine you- figure a nine figure penalty. I don't think people understand a nine figure penalty is insane, and that's giving money away. That's not you know, hey, we can read some back, we can battle us out in court for a reduced fee because then you got lawyer costs. Like that's just insane amount of money to give away in a time where you're telling us that we can barely afford books and fees and all the things for our athletes. Like which one is it? It can't be both. Right. So I think you've got to either call things to the carpet. There's but only so many boosters who are going to give you that money. And I just I don't I don't see it. I just don't see it. So do you I mean, do you think that when we get to 2036 and this thing is finally running out, you think we'll still be at the same 15 teams at that point? No, I don't. I think someone is going to try and pull the trigger and they're going to be like Maryland and wish they did it. I think they're, they're going to be the team that's forgotten, who never could quite recover, and they <laughs> were so hell-bent on being anti. But, you know, crazier things have happened. I truly think the Apple-ESPN connection is, cra- is you know, more piping hot than who's going to leave the ACC. Like, I think there's a lot to be said around how much, you know, stock is being put into TV deals versus actually caring about athletic programs and, you know, student-athlete well-being, so. Hmm. Okay, Candace, let's play a little <laughs> game here. If we had to pick the let's each pick a team that we think will be the first team to leave the ACC of the current 15 members. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could if I could think of a team that would leave first, it would probably be Miami or Duke just because of the uh, private schoolness and the money that they can find at both of those facilities or both of those institutions. Um, those would be the schools to me that would quiet as it's kept come around the corner and just say, gotcha in front of everybody. So that, Boy, those would be my pick. I would love that a little sneaky <laughs> end around. Yeah. Cause I, I was going to go with Clemson. Like, cause I, I just find it hilarious that, you know, with, as we were talking about earlier with FSU, all the big game, they're talking that it ultimately wouldn't be them. 
Uh, but, but why would you? But why would Clemson want to go? Why would you want to go and just be a no, like in the SEC to be an afterthought in terms of SEC football? You damn sure ain't gonna bring much to basketball, right? So right. like as as good as they are, you know, I think that you know, coach has done a really good job. But that men's program, like, come on, let's be serious. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with with Brad Brownell, you know, the perennial hot seater, uh, like they they always win in non-conference against kind of a cupcake schedule, but then kind of fall off in the ACC. But it, it would almost feel like, and and maybe they, it's a cautionary tale situation from Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, but it just feels like um, Clemson has just been itching to take that jump. But, I mean, there is the whole, like, let's put it back in basketball terms. Like, if I'm Gonzaga, I'm pretty happy staying in the West Coast Conference <laughs> and just dominating everybody. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll take that pushback from you for sure. Um, that's just where uh, where I was thinking. But I, I like the Miami Duke call as well. Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you look at it from a basketball standpoint, like I like to be a Gonzaga. No, I got a you know, spot in the tournament every single year. I do what I got to do. I win when I got to win from a football landscape for Clemson. Like, yeah, sure. You know, the ACC right now with divisions certainly gave you the upper hand. But now that there's no divisions, there's going to be a different fight. So That's if right. FSU comes out and wins that bad boy, now what are you saying? Like now you don't have that same sort of argument that gives you that leeway to say this is why you should leave. On the flip side, it gives FSU a bigger argument if they do win the ACC. And it, I feel like the conversation a lot that I keep talking about right now or hearing others talking about as well is, are we willing to trade wins for money? And that kind of comes to that bottom line. <laughs> I, I don't think Clemson would be willing to do that because they got it rolling with Dabo right now. Um, okay, other side of the conversation. If you were to pick a team to join the ACC, hold it down to just one, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, if I were to pick a team, I would say UConn. I think that UConn's football program does just enough to where it could be in the conversation. And I think that their basketball program certainly would help elevate come March. You know, both men's and women's would be a great addition to our league. That That's exactly where I've been uh, at in my brain. It's like, I mean, the football is not going to be any worse than some of the ACC also rans down at the bottom, but man, that basketball gets up to that elite level. I think the question becomes, you know, they kind of learned their lesson with joining the AAC. It just wasn't the big East. However, coming to the ACC is a whole different ball of wax than the AAC. So um, yeah. if I'm UConn, I think that even makes more sense than going to the big 12, honestly, both geographically um, and, and other things. So, I think that would be very exciting for women's basketball. Honestly, Ooh. that would probably Ooh. be a very good tournament. Um, just the way ACC basketball has been in the last couple of years, eight or nine teams ending up in the NCAA tournament. I think it'd be very fun to see sort of that revival of some really heated women's basketball rivalries. Yeah. I'd be really curious to hear Gino Oriema's thoughts on that about uh, moving over to the ACC. Boy, yeah. that would be awesome. I love that <laughs> idea, Candace. All right. So we'll see what happens with all that in the year. Years to come, Candace. Uh, folks, make sure you tune into Locked On ACC, the updates and newest news on realignment. There, now we're going to shift gears from Candace's Locked On ACC role to some time she recently spent down in Atlanta, GA, my hometown, at the UA Elite 24. We're going to get some takeaways from that and who Candace was all in on from that event. We'll do that in just a second. 
All right, folks, today on Locked on College Basketball, we are joined by Candace Cooper coming at us from Florida, where she's on vacation, taking some time out of her precious uh, time away from life and work. Candace, again, thank you for that. Now, What's cool is Candace, in addition to her role with Locked On, actually works for Under Armour, which is super rad. She texted me the other day like, ah, I can't do this right now. I'm working with <laughs> Steph Curry on some stuff. I'm like, okay, you're Casual. too cool for me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But in her role with Under Armour, Candace was just down in Atlanta for the Under Armour Elite 24, where we got some of the top dudes in the nation in high school right now. I mean, we're talking like five of the top seven in the class of 24, like three of the top five or six in the class of 25. And so Candace, as we start looking at some of these names, I, I just want to ask a big general question. Anybody that really just stood out to you as you watch some of this basketball going on? Yeah, sure. I think that, you know, Tahad Pettiford, Ian Jackson, uh, Bryson Tucker, what's my guy's name with the big locks. I see his face. Is it Bryce, <laughs> is it Bryce Harper? Maybe that's his name. Dylan Harper. Dylan Harper. Bryce Harper would be the Phillies. Uh, right there you field. go. Same <laughs> thing. All the things. Names blur at this point. Right. Um, exactly. Dylan. Dylan Harper. He uh, was pretty good out there. Cooper Flag, who was at Curry Camp, wasn't at Elite Twenty Four, but you know, I think those guys have just been pretty exciting to watch. Um, really command a presence both on the court and off. Um, I think that Ian, probably my favorite. He was the nicest. Definitely like just biased. as a person, you mean? Just as a person. Interesting. Nicest, but also just very, very speedy. Um, I think Carolina can be very excited about what's to come. I gave him a little nugget about our fans and just being patient and like they're going to love you, hate you, just play your game type of time. Uh, I think Todd Pettifer, who's right now committed to Auburn, um, certainly a guy that brings a lot of explosiveness as well. Um, I think that, you know, those would be my standout ones so far but uh there's you know there's a lot of young guys who just need a lane and an opportunity and certainly got that elite 24 yeah and you know one of the things i noticed in reading up on the event is there there were some other like nba types there like pat beverly was there right working with one of the teams jarris walker who just like literally just went in the draft this year from houston was there working with one of the teams what is it like having those guys around especially like i think of jarris who literally just finished his one year of college and then is able to give some insight into these young guys as they get ready to come into the same ranks where he just left. Yeah, so Jarris played on Team Thrill, went to IMG. Team Thrill's Will Barton's team, uh, NBA player. And so Jarris was coaching out there, and he had a player, Tyler Jackson, who's really good out of Baltimore. Um, and just being able to coach those guys up, talk to them, keep it really light, you know, not too intense. The weather sort of didn't allow for, like, super intense game. But Patrick Beverly was, you know, coaching them up from warm-ups to, you know, tip-off. So it was pretty exciting to just to see them interact with those guys and, of course, feel like, they're on the same level because for Jarrett's sake, he's maybe a year or two older than them at most. Wow. Um, so it's pretty cool just to have those guys sort of have that league presence already and just get to know some of the guys that they hope to play against in the coming years. Yeah. Okay. With Pat Beverly, was he like full on Pat Beverlying <laughs> himself out there? Cause it's like, you know, the Pat Beverly we see in games is like, I don't know about this. Like, were, were you getting that version of Pat Beverly or what's going on there? Yeah, actually, it's pretty chill. I think that he just <laughs> taking on the moment. He wasn't doing too much. He wasn't over-exaggerating. He didn't get, you know, really involved with the refs or anything like that. I think he just wanted to make it for the kids and fun. Cool. And I think, you know, sometimes you know when to turn it on and turn it off. And certainly, had he been laced up, it might have been a different story. But, you know, Coach Pat was certainly a lot more level-headed. <laughs> 
to hear that. That's awesome. Just being there for the young men. Now, obviously, yeah. we've got a mixture down there of, of guys that have committed, as you were already talking about with Ian Jackson. And uh, I know Flory Bedunga was down there who's committed to Kansas. For any of the uncommitted guys, any I'm not asking you to like drop any, any nuggets uh, that you shouldn't be dropping, but any rumblings of commitments upcoming or, or leanings, anybody trying to recruit guys to their school, anything like that going on? Honestly, no. I think it's really like summer camp for those guys. Nice. And so they're all just there to like hoop, do a couple of runs. You know, you got Victorious Miller out there, Sir Muhammad, a bunch of these, you know, guys who are just, they've been with you on your UAA circuit for the whole summer. And so for a lot of them, the Nike guys that come over, it's really just about like, you know, meeting up. And I think the runs were better than the actual game. And like, it's just like, you know, you see some body, you know, go through ankle breakers and all the things. And it's, I think it's, I think it's fun for them. I think it's where the adults get involved and they have all those conversations. I actually met the former coach for Illinois while they were watching practice. He now coached with Dallas Mavericks and he told me how much he hated Carolina. And I was like, Oh, why? And he was like, Oh, 2005 was a hard year for me. That's right. Didn't get my bonus because of it, you know, things like that. So it's just, it was just, I think it's very much just a kickback atmosphere and less about like, how can I convince you to go to my program? I mean, I, again, I was very much all in on Ian, took a picture with him and Laney Grant um, made sure that we just had that connection. But other than that, just let people vibe. I love that. And I, th- I think that's such a good, also healthy reminder. Like we just got to let these kids be kids sometimes and just yeah. play this game that they love. Um, and so Candace, I-, I love that note and is a great way to get us out on just the reminder that basketball is an awesome game that we all get to love and enjoy. And man, uh, it's going to be a special treat when these dudes start taking the floor in college in the next couple of years. Thanks so much for sharing with us some of that trip and the insights you got from it. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure and look forward to coming back soon. Yes, ma'am. Folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked On College Basketball. For Candace, thank you again so much for joining us on today's show. Make sure you go give Candace a follow on X, I guess we call it now, at Candace <laughs> D. Cooper. You can follow me at Isaac Shade or the show at Locked On CBB. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on audio and video platforms. If you're watching us on YouTube, what up? And please make sure to smash the like button to let us know you are here. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow when my guy Andy Patton will be right back here with you. Peace. Peace.